Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex P. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Thursday, May the 5th. Uh, Ian Cameron, and we have Brett McLean back with us once again uh, to break down the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Actually, Brett's first time with us during the uh, playoffs. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at MacAttack underscore 39. Good to have Brett back. Brett, how are you? Uh, how are things with you, and how have you enjoyed the uh, first few nights of the playoffs so far? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, doing well. Doing well. Can't complain. Always nice when we have a chance to talk hockey. Um, first couple nights have gone... I would say how I expected them to from a betting perspective had been tough. You know, we we're talking about that offline, like to try and find value, you've got to get creative. But, um, you know, I think if you would have asked me how it would go, I think Leafs Tampa, you would expect a split blues wild, a split. Um, so obviously if you're, you're trying to hopefully you pick the right night on, on making the money off the blues and, and lightning as underdogs and um, Colorado first game, kind of where you expected it to go. Um, so we'll see how tonight goes, but I would say for the most part, playoffs have been exciting to watch, but pretty predictable, which is, is nice to see. Yeah, no doubt about that. We will get into, we'll do a little recap uh, of last night as we always do in just a couple minutes. And then of course, get into the four games tonight. Again, four more game two uh, matchups uh, in the first round to preview and analyze tonight, sides, totals and player props. Uh, from a, a betting perspective. Before we get into that, we haven't had actually a chance to ask Brett yet since he's been on with us a few times about the work he does, uh, teaching hockey to the youth, uh, trying to make it so so that he, he's basically one of the people that's going to lead to the next generation of star hockey players, we hope, uh, across the board. Uh, he works at the Hill Academy uh, teaching uh, youth hockey. And uh, Brett, tell us about the uh, work that you've been doing there. I'm sure it's uh, something you enjoy. Yeah, um, so it's a it's a private prep school uh, just outside of Toronto. Um, our focus is on you know mixing academics and athletics, particularly hockey and lacrosse. Um, so I oversee our hockey program, uh, run our skill development program. We have grades five to twelve, and uh, I've been very fortunate to work with some really good players over the past few years, such as Cole Perfetti, uh, Shane Wright, who's going to draft this year, Brant Clark. Um, Michael Buchinger is going to get drafted this year. Um, you know, so we've had some amazing players come through the school. Um, and you know, with what my career ended up being, um, you know, I got, was lucky enough to play in the national hockey league, played in the Ontario hockey league, went up through it. So just with it being cut short, I wanted to stay in hockey. Um, and this was a perfect opportunity for me to, I guess, try and influence and, and guide the young talent of today and hopefully set them on a good path and pair them on the ice and off the ice to, to have success. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really rewarding to watch these, these kids leave the school and, and be so successful at the next level. And, um, you know, pretty fortunate that I get to stay in hockey because there's, once you're done playing, there's a lot of people that move on to something else and, uh, there's nothing quite like being in hockey. So, uh, pretty thankful that I have this opportunity and a uh, great place to work. Yeah, no question about that. It's that sense of, uh, you know, you feel you contributed to someone developing and not only in hockey, but in life, right? 
you know, that life development that they have too, uh, that you were a part of that. It's a pretty uh, cool feeling, uh, no doubt. Now, when they leave the uh, school and they get picked up, is it, they go to mostly a, ju- is it usually a junior league they end up going to? Yeah. I mean, for everyone, it's different. We have, we have students that have gone on to the NCAA. We have students that uh, play in the OHL. So it really depends on what their path is. Um, our goal is just to prepare them for whatever path they want to take. Um, whether that's playing junior hockey in the United States, in the USHL or, or the NHL, or uh, whether it's playing junior hockey in Canada in the BCHL or, or playing in the OHL, um, just trying to give them as many opportunities as they can, um, giving them exposure to the different leagues that are out there and, and as much information as we can so that they're prepared to make the right decision for them. And um, obviously our really elite players have been lucky enough to go on to national hockey league so um it is a really special place i mean i wasn't fortunate enough to have somewhere like that to, when i grew up um so the kids are pretty lucky but it's a great group of, of kids that are wanting to learn wanting to get better and you know it's a lot of fun every day trying to to teach them something yeah and you mentioned some of those names like cole perfetti's probably going to have a nice career and you saw him go through the hill academy where you're teaching right now uh you mentioned shane wright now shane wright's going to have a boatload of expectations and you know people are going to want to see him you know just be amazing right away and as we see with lafreniere maybe chill out let him develop a little bit uh but you've seen him up close and personal shane wright just the high level ability skill and that he's got do you think he's got that high ceiling that it seems everybody thinks for him yeah, I mean he's an amazing he's an amazing individual. I've known him for five years now. He's got he's he's a high character guy, um, phenomenal talent. I mean the amount of pressure that's been on him his entire life and kind of the weight of being the next one, you wouldn't know it from talking to him. Um, do I think he's going to be McDavid and score 130 points? Probably not. No, <laughs> but, but Let's I do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But what I see him as, and I mean this is obviously you know putting a lot of expectation on him is, is an NHL captain that leads his team to, to success. That's the kind of kid he is. He's, he's a great leader. You even look at him in Kingston this year, like not top scorer, but he's the guy that his engine is what runs that team. And um, he does everything well. You know, I think he's kind of a, a Patrice Bergeron clone, which I don't think if you look at that as a career, no one's saying that's a bad thing. So, you know, Will he score more than Bergeron? I'm not sure, but that's kind of where I see him is, is that amazing two-way player that, that leads a team. And um, like I said, amazing character kid that someone will be very lucky to have uh, in the draft. There you go. That's high praise right there. Character and that two-way ability. Andrew McGinnis. And you, notice right now, say, you notice right now, it's great to be here with both of you. You notice in the NHL lately, especially when we get into the playoffs, those two-way players and the players that hold themselves responsible are, are you know, second to none. I mean, the, the pressure that's on, right, like you mentioned and everything, but that, that's what happens to every player that is so highly talked about. He's been talked about for years, but I'm happy to hear that, you know, from you, Brett, that it, it sounds to me from everything I've heard about him is that he is a two-way player and, and responsible. And as a Montreal Canadiens fan, you know, people talk about Nick Suzuki's stats all the time uh, offensively. But I feel like even last year in the playoffs, it was kind of, um, you know, under talked about how two way responsible he is responsible. And, and I think it's a huge part of the game for those guys. Yeah, definitely. I and mean, you look at the advancement of the Leafs this year and their their ability to possibly get through Tampa. Like a lot of that comes through Matthew's two way game and how much mm-hmm. improved over the last couple of years and 
Mariners two-way game and how much they've become players away from the puck and added that new element to their game. Like without that, you're sitting here saying there's no chance they're going to beat Tampa. But with those two doing that now, you're like, this is going to be a great series and they might be able to come out on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's obviously he's, he's got the potential and I know Montreal, there's that potential. Uh, the testing <laughs> rights landing there uh, in just a, you know, a month or so, two months from now. Uh, no question about that. When you think about it, you've got the chance to see Shane Wright number one overall this year, and then Connor Bedard next year, likely going to be going number one. You talk about uh, two players with such a high level uh, of potential ahead of them in their futures. Uh, pretty amazing uh, to see it and think about it. No question. Um, I, I want all right, if I, Ian, you mind if I ask a question to Brett here? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, so, you know, people talk about Lafreniere and, and I watched him play junior here in, in the East Coast in the queue. And, and uh, you know, people talk about, you know, these bottom players, right? You could get drafted to the worst team in the league, right? Like, let's say, let's say Wright goes to the Coyotes next year, right? I mean, you're going to stick out more on the Coyotes than if you get drafted to, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning next year. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but just theoretically here. One thing that bothers me as just a hockey fan and someone that follows the game so closely is that you look at Lafreniere on the New York Rangers, he's on the third line and he's a two-way player. He's a guy that they trust to be a little physical. It bothers me that people don't realize that he's on a really skilled team where if you slotted him in on a bottom five team, he's a top six player and scoring way more goals. What are your thoughts on that? Because to me, I understand that like, you got to score wherever you are and everything like that, but it bugs me the expectations that are on people because you're farther down the depth chart. You know, it's like a talented wide receiver on a really great football team is going to get less targets than he would, you know, on, on a bottom team. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is the game is becoming so much younger and we're seeing a lot of young guys come in and have instant success. So yeah. when someone that's a first or second overall pick comes in and they don't offensively, we go, Oh, that guy wasn't a great pick. But, you know, if you look, even Nathan McKinnon, like he didn't start off setting the league on fire either. It took him a couple years to adjust. I think, you know, hockey's a different sport from, you know, basketball or football because a lot of guys don't go to college. So you're looking at 18, 19-year-olds that you're expecting to come in and be superstars, and that just doesn't always happen. Like I think for a guy like Lafreniere, you're, you're waiting until he's 25 or 26 to really mm. make a decision on was he the best pick at that age or for that draft or was he not? Um, but we, we don't want to be patient. We want results instantly. And, you know, we've been spoiled in the game. I mean, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Makar, like all these guys, they come in and they dominate year one, right? So we're like, well, why is this guy not doing it? And yeah. if he doesn't do it, then we're like, ah, he's a bad pick. And it's, it's just kind of the way it works. Like maybe it's going to take him five or six years to fully develop and, and establish himself as a star. And, you know, like I said, I think, when he's 25, you'll have a good indication of where he's actually at. And um, hopefully the Rangers are patient with him because we've seen that in the past too, where teams give up on a guy too early and they go on to be hall of famers somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do agree with you. It is, it is tough to see people already all, all over him. Like he's, he's, ba he's not, he's barely 20 years old and, and we're yeah. just seeing him just get started here. So um, I think you got to give him a few more years before you can count him one way or the other. Yeah, if you're a level-headed hockey fan and observer, you do give him that time. If you're someone on Twitter, many people on Twitter that have said he's a bust already and, and they're just uh, totally 
uh, impatient, uh, they would think otherwise. And uh, it's to me an insane uh, opinion to have uh, that all of a sudden we're going to see where you think that it's not redeemable at all for Alexi Lafreniere to be a big time impact NHL player, which is uh, nuts to me. Uh, but anyway, last night uh, was a great night on the show, pretty much collectively across the board for the entire crew. I mean, I was seven and one last night uh, in the NHL. The only loss was Edmonton in the first period. And, and, and you know, I'm not thinking about the seven. That's how silly I am mentally sometimes and batty I am. Am I thinking about, wow, Ian, great night, lots of profits, seven and one, seven wins. No, I'm thinking about the one loss. That's what of I'm course, thinking about. Of course, it's how we all are. It's how we're <laughs> wired. I'm thinking about, God damn it, Edmonton, right away in the second period, got that first goal. Why couldn't they have gotten that in the first period? You know, or any, uh, But that's how we're wired. You're right. But other than that, no, it was a phenomenal night. The Tampa opinions came through. Uh, they answered the bell. The only concern I had for that was Toronto really looked good in game one. And was Tampa Bay maybe hitting a bit of a physical wall, all these playoff runs they've made back-to-back years? But sure enough, Tampa looked like Tampa again. Great response. And look, it's not anything that people are not aware of anymore. It's well-publicized, well-documented now that Andre Vasilevsky is 15-0 and now uh, in his last 15 playoff games off a loss. So he has just been Mr. Bounce Back. Uh, in net, and you could tell he was dialed in when he made that lightning-like, rapier-like glove save uh, on Timothy Lilligren there in the second period. Just absolutely outstanding. He had a great night. He kept Tampa, you know, ahead when they got that first goal. Uh, Toronto made a push, and then they allowed Tampa to gain separation, and they ended up tying up that series. Uh, we ended up seeing, of course, the uh, Minnesota Wild meaning business. They put the boots to St. Louis early. Uh, and never look back. That was a sweep for me in that game as well with the uh, because I had the over and the two Tampa bets. We had Minnesota twice and the over in that game. So that was another terrific result. Uh, they ended up cruising to victory and tying up that series, which they had to do. Uh, Kaprizov, Eric Sinek, you know, they carried the way. All the big guns stepped up for the Wild. They had to. Fleury was much better in net. Uh, and look, the penalty kill for the Wild was much better uh, as well. And that was a big difference maker. We saw Carolina, the one team. Uh, to not lose uh, game two after mm-hmm. winning game one. Carolina up 2 nothing on Boston. Uh, Brett, I don't know how much you saw this game, but Carolina to me just looks deeper. They look faster. And I know there's going to be people making a case for Boston in game three. They're making the change, going to go with Jeremy Swayman in game three. They already announced that. That, you know, desperation, this prideful team with Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak and company, they're not going to go down without a fight. I, I agree with that. But... Yeah, they could come out swinging in the first period, and then the better team just takes over and goes up 3 nothing. I really think we could see that uh, in Game 3. Uh, you see Antti Ranta get hurt. That's a shame, uh, unfortunately, for Carolina. But the young kid, Pyotr Kochetkov, com- comes into the game last night and looks absolutely outstanding. He was fantastic. I can't believe how good he was considering the situation, coming in off the bench in a playoff game. And he had to play a lot more minutes than Louis Domingue did. Uh, in game one for the Penguins, and he shut the door against Boston. And how about the competitive blood flowing through the veins of Kochetkov? He's going toe-to-toe with Marshawn there after Marshawn bumped him, giving him a little whack. He didn't stand down to him. That's a guy that's been in the league for 10 years, has won a Stanley Cup. He's done a lot in this league, one of the better players. uh, He's also three times his size, though. (laughs) Yeah, he is, too. I mean, that's true. Kochetkov uh, definitely with – and he felt – I still like it. I mean, that's oh, yeah, for Brad sure. Marchand, and he. I'm I'm just you know barely getting my feet wet in the National Hockey League, and I'm not going to let this guy take physical liberties with me. 
I'm going to, you know, hack him with the stick and say, hey, Marshawn, fuck you. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get away with wearing Russian, whatever that is. It's probably what he was. <laughs> well, thinking. I got to ask, did you, did you, you can't speak a lick of English right now? Did you see the quote from Rod the yeah. Bod? That was hilarious. Yeah. He yeah. goes, yeah, I told the interpreter, just go out, tell him to go out there and stop some pucks. <laughs> no. He told Svechnikov, tell him, stop the puck in Russian. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, but unbelievable performance by him, too. And of course, the other game last night was Edmonton. Big, big bounce back. I knew they'd rally around Mike Smith. They did that. Uh, and they trucked the L.A. Kings 6-0 last night. Great game from everybody. All the Kane, McDavid, Dreisaitl, all the big guns stepped up for the Oilers. And Mike Smith, I said this yesterday, uh, Brett, on the show, that, yeah, he made a horrible giveaway, horrible gaffe with the puck in game one. But he owned it. He said, my bad. I This is on me. Pin this loss on me. I can't make that play. I can't give that puck away in a tie game in the third period. It cost our team the game. Doesn't that go a long way in the dressing room? And I knew it last night you're going to see him play better, and you're going to see that Oiler team really want to rally around him. He took it for the team. He, he knew he screwed up. He made that bad giveaway. Uh, and I knew after he took the bullet publicly admitting, hey, this is on me, I, that goes a long way with your teammates. Respect that he did that, that he stepped up. And I knew they were going to play their butts off for Mike Smith last night. And he played much better. And the Oilers rolled to a game two win and tied up that series. So, uh, Brett, what were your thoughts on the uh, games last night? Yeah, I mean, I think with the Mike Smith thing, um, you know, as a player, you know what you have back there. Like, the reality is he he plays the puck more than any goalie in the league. And, and most of the time, it actually relieves a lot of pressure for his D-man. It's the right play. Um, understanding that. Unfortunately, at some point, he's going to make a mistake and it's going to be costly. Um, so his players know that, you know, you weigh the good with the bad and, and hopefully that doesn't happen again. But to see him step up and, and take the blame, that, that goes a long way with his teammates. Um, you know, I still, I believe before the series of Oilers, we're going to take this one. You know, I don't think many people thought they're going to sweep. So, you know, they're going to lose at some point. But the bounce back last night, I'd say they're heading into L.A. with all the momentum. Um you know, they just look like a better team last night. If they keep rolling like that, they're going to be fine. Carolina, Boston, you know, I think the biggest problem with Boston is their power play is, is awful right now. It's been bad for a couple months. Um, they just can't get any offense going. And I, I don't see them being able to go punch for punch with Carolina. Um, are they going to win a game at home? Probably one of them because, you know, the prideful team, They're they're not a bad team, but you know, and it is hard to sweep in this league. So I think they they probably get one, but that series, Carolina, if they keep rolling the way they are, they're they're going to run through that one. And then the other two, I mean, that's kind of what you expect, right? St. Louis, Minnesota, Toronto, Tampa, that they're going to go punch for punch all the way to game six or game seven. I mean, they're two two great series that could go either way. Um, you know, last night Tampa took it to Toronto. Night one, Toronto took it to Tampa. I felt like both teams played great when they won and, and were very average when they lost. So I think it's really going to come down to who can put together consistent effort each night. And then the other series, same thing. I mean, you know, what we're seeing is is the ebbs and flows of the momentum of playoffs. Like St. Louis game one just dominated Minnesota, and then last night rolls completely reversed. So um, I think we're in for a real treat with the rest of the – the way for those two series is for sure. I think it's going to be exciting to watch and um, all in all, it's been great hockey so far and it's making it hard from a betting perspective to, you got to really dive into what you want to do and, and yeah. how you're going to try and make some money because as we're seeing, it's, it's pretty unpredictable, but it's exciting to watch. 
it's unpredictable. And then when you want to back, like in several instances tonight, the the, the team that lost game one, who uh, you're looking, and obviously they're favored. You know, you got to lay a big price in a lot. Florida is a perfect example. You got to get creative with the Panthers. You've got to get creative with Colorado tonight uh, on this card. There's no question about that. And we'll get into the uh, four games now. Just a second. I wanted to ask you though, Brett, about the hit. Everyone's going to talk about that a little bit. Not so much uh, the the the, the poster knock collision with Ronta. I think was accidental. I think he just lost his footing uh, and he ended up nicking uh, Ronta and he ended up uh, getting uh, injured by that. I don't think it was anything malicious there. But even the Lindholm hit that was a clean hit. I thought by Svechnikov on Hampus Lindholm uh, last night. I have no problem with that. The only problem you have with it is obviously un- the unfortunate result of that hit. Uh, for Hampus Lindholm, which has probably knocked him out for the rest of the series. Our own Jimmy Murphy here on the ice, guys, and that's why he's not here today. He's covering that series, and I think he's flying back to Boston today. Uh, he basically said that it's probably going to be out for the rest of the series for uh, Hampus Lindholm, which means possibly out for the season because it's Boston's in tough here to try to get back into this series and win it. Never say never, but doesn't look like Lindholm's coming back in the series. But to me, didn't look dirty at all. It looked like a, just a good, solid, clean hockey hit by Svechnikov with just an unfortunate result in the injury to Lindholm. Did, did you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it a few times. I don't see anything malicious with it. I think it's just a good hockey hit. You know, Lindholm was just kind of in an unfortunate spot. Um, and Svechnikov caught him with a good hit. Um, actually, I was listening to... 32 thoughts this morning and they were mentioning Lindholm caught. So I can't remember who he caught, but two or three months ago, he caught someone with the exact same hit. Um, you know, it's just the nature of the game playoff time to intensity goes up, but uh, I don't see there being any reason for any discipline on it. I don't think that, you know, it's obviously going to ramp up the temperature of the series yep. um, along with, you know, Ranta going down um, even though that was accidental in my opinion too, you know, one spot, he start getting hurt. It does elevate the the intensity of the of the series, and um, so I, I would expect Boston to be coming out hard and, and heavy for Game Three. But I don't see, you know, I don't think there's anything malicious there or anything worth discipline. No, no, I agree with that completely. It's just a clean hit, and, so, and sometimes you got to live with that. Just because the guy gets hurt doesn't mean he should, uh, the person that committed the hit should be suspended. And that's the way I feel. It was a good, clean hit by Svechnikov last night on Lindholm with just an unfortunate uh, result. All right, we've got tonight's games, Thursday, four games on tap. Let's get into them. Let's see if we can make some money. we got a big encore to try to follow up because last night was just spectacular. And Danny Ehrman did a great job. Danny Ehrman says hi, Brett, by the way. Uh, he hopes you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he did a really good job on the uh, show yesterday. All right, here we go. Eastern Conference, first round, game two. Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rangers. We've got the Rangers minus 160 now uh, in this game as home favorite. Six the total in this one. Uh, obviously, there's been an adjustment. And, you know, you've got to start putting these games in proper perspective here. Yeah, I like the Rangers to win and even up the series tonight. But, man, minus 160? And I know there's issues with Pittsburgh. Obviously, they're down at number three goalie, uh, Louis Domingue, with one of the uh, uh, quotes of the year talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the pork and the broccoli. Uh, eating that during the uh, intermission, obviously he's eating that stuff, not knowing he's going having to go into a hockey game, into a playoff overtime game. So it's hard to blame him, but uh, that was hilarious. Um, he's going to be starting tonight. Casey Smith is a no go uh, for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in this game tonight. So Louis Domingue is in there. Uh, we'll see how he fares here. Now that he's got to play a full game, now that the Rangers know he's the guy. 
and maybe can better, you know, figure out tendencies and weaknesses. And that's definitely a factor for me tonight when I think, you know, the Rangers now are going to have a little bit better book now uh, on Louis Domingue. And I think that's probably going to help them in this game. I like the Rangers, but what I'm going to do instead of, you know, certainly regulation, I might have a small play on that. But I still think this is going to be a pretty close, tight series. I think even if the Rangers win, it could be a one-goal game. It could be one of those series where you sprinkle on the draw in every game, quite honestly, you might make profit. You know, you already have a a draw winner at a great plus, what, 320 in game one if you took it uh, between the Penguins and Rangers. I do think this is going to be a competitive series. I do like the Rangers here, but I think the team total might be the best way to go about it. It's three and a half at a plus price. Uh, I think that's decent. I think we could see four from the Rangers tonight, uh, get that offense rolling a little bit more. The full game total, it should be noted, is six after it was five and a half in game one. So I think that's a little bit of an adjustment based on the fact game one went over and the Louis Domingue situation that he now is uh, confirmed as the starter. So they've adjusted the total by half goal here in this one. But I think the best way to approach it for me is the Rangers team total here uh, over uh, three and a half in this game. I'm sticking to my guns with the props on Lafreniere. I think uh, he is still, I, I thought he was really good. I thought that whole line, even though they lost in overtime the other night, Lafreniere with Philip Heedle and Kako was outstanding. And remember, they had a goal taken off the board in the third period. Remember, that could have been the game-winning goal, the go-ahead goal for the Rangers. It was called back due to goalie interference. It was that line uh, that made it happen. Uh, for the Rangers in that game. So, you know, I think Lafreniere is the value from a prop standpoint for the Rangers. I know you could go with Kreider, Zibanejad, Panarin, uh, any of the big guns, and I wouldn't say don't bet those, but I would look for the greater value a little bit with Lafreniere uh, moving forward. Here's the biggest thing the the Rangers have to uh, correct here in game two, because I saw this stat. I couldn't believe it the other night. Do you know that when Sidney Crosby's line was on the ice in game one. They were 26 to four at one point in scoring chances over the the, the line for the Rangers wow. that they were out against. And it doesn't shock me. It seemed every time Sidney Crosby and his line was on the ice for Pittsburgh in game one with Rust and Gensel, they were dangerous. They were flying and swarming around the Ranger net and Shesterkin. And the Rangers had a hard time keeping them away from the net and defending them. They've got to work on that. And Gerard Gallant's no dummy. He's a great coach. He knows that, I'm sure. Uh, and that's going to be an onus now. We've got to have much better defending uh, because Crosby, Gensel, and Rust kind of had their way uh, in game one. That little pass, backhand pass that Crosby thread the needle on to Gensel for the 2-2 goal, how spectacular was that? Their chemistry is unbelievable. It is. It is absolutely incredible chemistry. See if the Rangers do a better job because they've got to. That's their one path to losing this series. You let Crosby, Gensel, and Rust go haywire on you and do a tap dance all over you, you're going to end up being in trouble. So we'll see if the Rangers defend them better tonight. But uh, I, lo- I like Rangers and Reg a little bit. Uh, I like Rangers team total over three and a half even more. And from a full game total standpoint, I, I probably would lean over, but six, uh, just a lukewarm opinion for me there. Uh, Andrew, let's start with you here. Game two, Penguins-Rangers. Yeah, I'll keep it short. Um, the only play I've made so far on this one, a little chalky, but uh, I took Ryan Strong to record a point at minus 140. Um, I don't like to go too high with those score point props, even though sometimes those guys are the ones that score uh, to get them. But uh, yeah, I think Strong's played a great uh, two-way game. Uh, he's been heavily used by the Rangers and a uh, young guy that can that can skate. So I think he'll be out there, get lots of ice time. And uh, whether it's a goal or assist, I think he contributes as far as the uh, – 
you know, as far as the side goes, um, look, I, I had that East future on Pittsburgh um, and I'll be just cheering them on tonight to try and take both at MSG. I will say to people at home, um, you know, obviously it's a third stringer for Deming, but you know, let's not act like we didn't just see him play well when he came in after eating spicy pork and broccoli. I mean, the, he's still a great goaltender and uh, you know, the, it's the same thing with anti Ranta. And then we saw it with the third stringer as well. You see in yep. every single sport, the sky is not falling. Uh, yep. after an injury and you see betters always react to that a little bit yep. too much i think it's not chopped liver louis Domingue. in fact he's way more experienced than casey de smith to be quite honest yeah, louis domingue has been around a very long time in mm. the nhl with arizona for three years then he went to tampa for a couple of years split time with jersey and vancouver was in calgary briefly and now here he is in pittsburgh so this is now i think his uh fifth or sixth team in the national hockey league and his, his overall career numbers uh, when you look at it uh, so far, you know, they're, it, uh, it looks like 3.1, you know, 902 safer. That's not great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, and, he, you know, in a situation like game one, he came in in a real tough spot and got it done, and he deserves credit for that. So we'll see now how he fares in game two, knowing he is the guy starting the game start to finish tonight. Uh, Brett, what do you think here, Pittsburgh, New York? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, this is a, I don't have a whole lot at the moment. Um, I mean, Ranger, I think Rangers are going to win, so I have them on the money line. It's kind of a boring bet. But um, the only other one I'm thinking is Penguins under uh, 0.5 goals in the first period. I think the Rangers are going to come out and be tight, checking. Um, I don't see Pittsburgh scoring. plus money. Uh, I think we're going to see them both kind of settle into a patient game here after playing yep. six periods the other day. So, I like that bet. Um, and I like the Rangers to win on the money line. And um, for me right now, that's probably it. I think this is another game that I don't know if the series is, uh, I think we'll see tonight whether it, Pittsburgh opens it up and, and runs away with it, or maybe with Demang in that. I mean, I think he's a capable goalie, but you never know with the third string goalie where it's going to go. So um, probably just going to watch this game as a fan more than, than have too many bets on it. Plus 115, I'm seeing a lot of books for Pittsburgh Penguins team total under 0.5. So not to score in the first period. Yeah. And you would think, what do they give up, 80 shots? Now, I know three overtimes, but still 80 shots. And even in reg after regulation, they had given up like 40 or almost 50. Yeah, you know, no, I think Shesterkin yeah, settled in. I think hmm. the question with him was, how is he going to perform in the playoffs different time of year? And he, he looks just like he did during the season. So I think there's no concerns there that he's going to fold under the pressure of the playoffs. So I think he's going to have a great night tonight. And I think, I, I like I said, I think that's that's a great bet. I think there's a good, very good chance Pittsburgh doesn't score in the first, plus money, so why not? Well, I think it's a cool prop uh, from Brett there. And I think that looking at these situations where you, you, know, you see a team with 83 shots, the other team with, I think, like 67 or whatever it might have been, everybody thinks – over, 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 over. Let's go first yeah. period, full game. You know, yeah. they're just going batshit crazy on overs the next game. These guys got to be tired. All the cliche gambling narratives. I, I always think that um, you get the best effort, I think, in the first period defensively. And then the fatigue, if it's going to set in, would be in the second or third period. So I that's like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I feel. So I think we could see a low scoring first period. I was actually saying earlier on a different show that I, I actually plan on jumping in on a live over, yep. you know, if I can get four and a half or even, even the five and a half and get rid of the six would be really nice. 
Or you get a really slow start like Boston Carolina game one, Andrew. It was no score, like nine minutes left in the second. You get a nice three and a half at plus 140. <laughs> Man, was that a beautiful bet. And, of course, we know what happened. What did it end? 5-1, I believe, uh, in that game. That was terrific. I mean, uh, couldn't the Good old-fashioned third-period overs. I remember yeah. I, you always know, you know, I'm not really a huge chalky type person, but there was a year, I think it was the bubble year two years ago, I was laying like minus two tens in for third period overs because it was just so automatic. I was sacrificing the odds and taking over one and a half and just like I was getting an empty net goal at least every game. Uh, the, the third period, and Brett, have you noticed that? I mean, this has been something we've talked about for years. I'll throw it to you. Uh, have you considered that in your playoff bet? Now, you're, if, I know you said you've been at this for a year, basically from a betting standpoint, but just in playoff betting, third period overs, this has been a cash cow for us here on the ice guys. Andrew bets them. I bet them. Alex has bet them a lot that just you bet these games, especially in elimination games, Brett, when the one team is facing elimination, they're trailing in the third, they've got to push it. They've got to open up and they got to pull the goalie earlier than usual. And in a lot of times you'll just see multiple goals and they are great betting opportunities, third period overs or live overs after the second period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I even look at the Bruins Canes game the other night, right? Like teams, you're playing to win every night now. And I mean, the season, you know, obviously you want to win every night, but it, there's just so much more that goes into it. Now you're just, you, you break everything down to one game at a time. And um, there is way more empty net goals or a team scores to tie it up because they pulled the goalie. Um, so yeah, third period overs are, I, I haven't really thought about that, but it is a, it is a great, great option, especially, you know, a, a game that's looking three, two or four, two heading into the third. Cause you know, one team's going to be playing loose to try and, and catch up where, you know, maybe in the season you're on the third and fourth night and you're like, okay, we just don't have it tonight. Like we're just, we're going to go down and take the L here where playoffs, you don't have that luxury. So yeah, that's a, uh, it's a good uh, piece of knowledge for me that I never really thought of. Before. Get on the train, Brett. Yeah. Two, two. Yeah. Get us. on that train. Yeah. It, no, they really are. Now, I don't say every single game, but, man, there are, I, I, there's more games than not in the Stanley Cup playoffs that I'm getting involved in the third period over. I'll tell you when you don't do it, Brett, with the third period overs, if it's a 3-4-5 goal margin because it's less likely that there's that belief that the team's going to come back. But if you've got this, you know, two goals or if it's a one-goal game or a two-goal game, that team still thinks they can come back. And that's when you really see that uh, angle really – be, you can really capitalize on it, you know, at that point and uh, be able to bet some of those uh, third period overs. And again, they have been a great, uh, great meal ticket of sorts for us here on this show uh, for years. No doubt about it. All right. Next game we've got it's uh, Washington and uh, Florida. Uh, game two of this series, we've got uh, Wash or Florida rather minus 275. Uh, home favorites here in this one. Uh, plus 225 for the Capitals who took game one uh, in uh, the other night. Uh, the total six and a half here, which is a juice to the over right now, uh, pretty much across the board. Um, I think Florida does bounce back here. Now, I'm on Florida in a bunch of different ways. I'm not really panicking about this team just yet. You know, I think we're in a situation right here where we're going to end up seeing their best tonight uh, after game one. Look, we're also going to find out something about Andrew Burnett. You know, he's pretty young still in terms of a, an NHL coach. Let's see what he's got in him, too, after a tough game one. But Washington flat out beat Florida and was better than Florida. There was nothing at all fraudulent about the Capitals winning game one. Uh, they were flat out better than Florida, but now I expect the Panthers to uh, bounce back here. If you'll remember, 
I think they lost game one to Tampa last year, and then game two they had a big effort, uh, and they ended up tying that series up. I think you're going to see something similar here. I'm going to dare the Washington Capitals and Vitek Vanacek in particular, who's been prone to some inconsistencies up one game down the next throughout the course of the season to play well again. Uh, so I'm going to look at Florida here in a first period situation. Again, you can get pretty good price with them uh, in terms of uh, first period uh, in this game tonight against the uh, Capitals, uh, looking at around minus a half at plus 115, plus 120. You know, I think that's a good way to look that the Panthers, after the bad start, when they weren't ready to go and they take two penalties in the first five minutes, they go down five on three and it costs them. Washington gets the first goal of the series on that. I think there's an emphasis and an onus on Florida be ready from puck drop, be strong in the first 20 minutes. So I like that first period. I'll probably end up back on the uh, Florida team total as well uh, in this uh, hockey game tonight. I, I think that's probably worth a look. You can get the uh, team total for Florida. It's a good pr plus price, actually, four and a half at around plus 130. And I'm going to come back to the over six and a half one more time, which was a frustrating loss in game one. It ended up four to two. We did hit the live over. I talk about third period overs, Brett. We hit a live over. Uh, and the third period over in that game, Washington, Florida, game one, and it cashed uh, over five and a half live after the second period. It got there. So just another example of those third period overs being great bets. So uh, that's my three looks there. Florida first period, Florida team total over uh, and over six and a half for the game. Props, Huberto, shots on goal, Huberto, goal score prop. I think is he's someone that's going to maybe have a big night for the Panthers tonight. I think Marchment now after a very quiet by his standards game, one, uh, he steps up. And of course, if it's going to be uh, led by anybody, it's going to be Barkov. So you can't uh, argue with maybe looking at some of his props tonight either. Brett, what do you think here, Washington, Florida? Uh, I like the over in this game. I think I think we're going to see goals tonight. That's you know, Florida's high offense. I think they're going to be coming back. But Washington can still score. So, um, uh, yeah, over six and a half for sure. The other one that I like, I think they're both going to come out hot in the first um, for both teams to score at least one in the first plus mm -hmm. one twenty right now. I like that bet as well. Yeah, I, I might Florida, bet that too. Florida's, I took it the other night. Yeah, I think Florida's going to come out hot. Um, they're going to score, and you know I see Washington scoring one in the first as well. So um, kind of opposite of the Rangers Penguins game where I think it's going to start really slow and methodical. I think this game will start with a lot of offense early and. Um, probably won't see them saddle until the second period. So I think they're probably the polar opposite game from the, the Rangers Penguins game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting emotional angle there. Chester cat with TJ Oshie props because his dad passed away about a year ago to the day, you know, is there going to be, you know, a little bit of a, uh, you know, Oh, do uh, his father tonight big and a big effort from uh, Oshie. That's not a bad consideration. You know, sometimes that's how it works with players. Just that extra little, Hey, uh, remembering your father on a day like this, yeah, there, there definitely could be something to that. I'm, I would stick to Connor Sheary. Connor Sheary had chances too in the uh, game the other night. So, and again, he's playing those bigger minutes now for the Capitals as well. I still think you're going to get good value with Sheary uh, for Washington tonight. Andrew, uh, what do you like here? Yeah, I like the over six and a half. Uh, I, I expect goals. I think, like Brett said, I think in games that we see uh, Florida win, they're going to be high scoring. Um, you would have told me last game that, that Washington scored four. I probably would have sold my car and bet the over in that game. 
uh, even higher. <laughs> uh, the exactly. Florida, Washington scores four, the, it stays under. Yeah. That was the, very the fact that Florida gets two. I mean, you know, in the playoffs, sometimes you got to stick to your guns. You hear a lot about it in baseball handicapping, right? Like it's a, it's a series of three or four games. Somebody loses a tough bet on the first game of the series on one team and they just don't go back to them. And that team wins the series three, one or two, one, you know, point being is this is the same bet I had last game, but I'm going to go right back to it. Um, I, I think that Florida is a good team for props tonight, but I'm going to uh, just for now look towards uh, the first period puck line for Florida and the full game over six and a half, try and make, uh, uh, make some money on, on kind of the side end total, um, which is something I don't love to do always, but I guess it's just a kind of a first period. Uh, and uh, I, I apologize again, if you did mention it there, but uh, Tom Wilson has been announced officially out of this game, which should shift yeah. things around a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be, yeah, he was ruled out. There was a, pretty much doubtful as of yesterday that he was going to play, but yeah, definitely confirmed out right now for the uh, Capitals. So what, what do you guys think of over one and a half goals first period for the Panthers? I'm seeing uh, at, at one of my books at plus 180 for that. I like that. I've done that before with teams that are really, really, you know, you think they're going to have a big push early in the game, first 20 minutes. And you would think from Florida, you'll see that. And Washington's the kind of defensive shakiness to them with Vanacek as well, that if Florida's really, really dialed in early, they could hit two goals in the first period. I think yeah. at that price, it's worth a look. It's worth some kind of flyer. Yeah. I've done that before. That's team total, by the way. Florida Panthers, over one and a half, plus 180 is what you can get with that uh, in some spots. So that's not a bad look, in my opinion, at all. All right, Western Conference now. First round game two, Nashville Predators, Colorado Avalanche. we got Colorado minus 360, home favorites, six and a half the total. Uh, this was uh, a game that just treated me extremely well uh, the other night uh, in game one uh, on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Colorado first period puck line, team total over, which cashed in the first period uh, when it was 5 nothing, and also the full game over uh, in that game. And uh, I'm pretty much thinking of the exact same three bets here with maybe a little bit less uh, of a, you know, enjoy, uh, less of a liking, if you will, for the first period. Because I would expect Nashville, after kind of being embarrassed in game one, to put up some kind of major effort in game one, or sorry, in the first period tonight uh, here in game two. Uh, I would expect that from them after, you know, just getting absolutely throttled in the first period the other night on en route to that 7-2 to two, uh, loss and beatdown at the hands of the Avs. But at the end of the day, I don't trust their defense, which hasn't been good for a while. You go back, you look at Nashville down the stretch, guys. They gave up a six spot to the Lightning. Five to the Wild, five to the Flames, four to the Avs in the regular season, five to Arizona in coughing up that 4 nothing lead uh, against the Coyotes, and then seven against Colorado in game one of this series. They have not been good defensively. I love the season Roman Yossi's had. I think Ekholm's a good veteran defenseman. I, I, I would honestly, guys, and Brett, I'll, when you talk about this game, you can give your opinion. I would honestly pass on the other defensemen on this team. Quite honestly, I mean, uh, Fabro's got some bright uh, moments, but he's kind of up and down. Uh, you look at the rest of them, Alex Carrier, Borvietsky's a bit of a plodding defenseman. Uh, you know, they've got some issues at the, at the back, uh, and we have seen that here exploited by a speed team like Colorado with four lines of forward depth that they just roll out there, and every single blue line can fly, can flat out skate, mobile is all get out, uh, and I think Nashville's having a hard time coping with that. Certainly they did in game one. And to make it matters worse with the blue line struggles, you have goaltending you just can't hold your hang your hat on. 
at this point. Big Siv Dave was a disaster uh, in game one. Five, five goals allowed. He was yanked. And for John Hines, he's in a spot where he's got to go with the younger kid, Connor Ingram, tonight, which is exactly what he's going to do and just hope that he's a little bit better than Riddick was. But at the same time, he needs help from his defensemen. And I'm not confident that they're going to give him that help because this is two weeks straight of pretty poor defending from the Nashville Predators on the blue line. So I'm thinking of the same bets, Colorado first period puck line, but I like more of the team total again, over four and a half. I think there's, I think it's going to be difficult to keep this team below five goals because Nashville's just yielding five, you know, it seems with regularity right now. And I'm also back to the full game over here uh, in this game one more time. Just don't trust the defensive and goal defensive play or the goaltending of the Nashville Predators right now. Could it be better with Ingram compared to Riddick? Yeah. But still, I'll probably need to see it before I believe it. Andrew, uh, what do you think here? Game two, Nashville, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, when you see a field goal in the first three minutes and a touchdown to end the game, uh, <laughs> you don't, you wouldn't think it's the first round of the playoffs. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I, I'll say, I think I mentioned on last the last show, uh, a prop that I like once again tonight is uh, Devontae's uh, to get a point. Uh, he's listed minus 125 tonight at my book. It was one, minus 110 last game. You're playing with Makar. You're playing with some of the best forwards in the team always out there. And the argument I've heard from people making the lines and stuff is that, hey, he's out there with Makar. He's out there with these guys. He's a defensive defenseman. He's not someone that carries the puck. But when you're asking someone to get a point, it, it's not a primary assist. It could be a secondary assist. Touch the puck, you know, before someone does something crazy and, and you get rewarded with an assist. And Tay's had a great game. I, I believe he scored one himself last game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think that's a great prop to, to look at. Um, and I also like the first period, no goal, 10 minutes. And I know that's quite gutty. Uh, and I haven't been betting those quite often, but I think we'll see a low scoring start. And then I think it's going to open up a little bit. We're going to get the best possible effort out of the Nashville Predators in 10 minutes. But it's kind of like what you say in basketball handicapping. Uh, the game's played in 60 minutes, you know, not not 10 or 20 um, so the best effort we're going to get out of Nashville is early in the game. I just don't think they'll be able to sustain whatever they throw at, uh, at Colorado. So, um, I think it's another, again, a good in-game opportunity, a good in-game bet. I think Colorado will get theirs in, in, in the first period, but, um, I just don't think it'll be, you know, three minutes in three goals <laughs> again in this game here. No, exactly. And right. young goaltender theory as well. I mean, young goalie in there, yep. let's protect him. Let's protect our... Don't try and play Colorado's type of hockey. You know, I think Colorado's way better than Toronto, but Toronto's a great team, and look how they played in game one. Tampa Bay slowed things down, and things were a little bit different. Nashville has to play Nashville hockey. They can't play Colorado hockey, or they're going to get swept, and it's going to be bad. Yeah, that's right. It'll be interesting to see if they can make that adjustment, uh, which they I, I know they're going to try to, you know, really button it up. For, and I'm sure John Hines, the head coach, is going to tell them that. But at the same time, this blue line has now shown you pretty clearly on uh, on display that they have not been adequate defensively for now a, a solid week or two. You know, this was a problem at the end of the regular season, and it's carried over to game one of this series. And then you've got the young goalie on the road in a tough environment in net. So, you know, that's it's a big task for Nashville. We'll see if they're up for it. For props, I'm going back to the well with Big Val for Colorado. Valerie Nachushkin. Uh, on that top line. This has been a prop cash cow for me, guys. And I know Brett dabbles with player props and shots on goal and goal score props and points as well. Uh, this guy has been an absolute goldmine of profit 
since he got moved up to the top line, and he's playing there with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton. And uh, Nachushkin's just been a phenomenal prop bet repeatedly now for weeks. Uh, Lekkonen's worth a look, uh, potentially, as well on the second line, in my opinion. For for Nashville, I do think they're going to chip in a little bit uh, offensively. I still think when you look at the line combinations tonight, there's been some changes. We've got Luke Cunnan moving up to the second line. All right, there's one of those great situations. This has been a third or fourth liner for Nashville the last several games, and he's on the second line, it looks like, based on the uh, morning skate line combos. Cunning with Johansson and Tomasino looks to be the second line tonight for Nashville. Forsberg, Granlin, and Duchesne still the top line. So that means Luke Cunning, you're gonna if you can find props on him, they're going to have some value. More ice time up in the lineup, second line. Let me see if he's going to get power play minutes tonight for Nashville. Let me see. It doesn't look like it. They don't have him on power play one or power play two, but he will be on the second line, it looks like, tonight. Multiple sites have him up there. I think Daily Faceoff does. Roto-Wire does. That's a, that's, that's a positive expectation prop situation then. Again, when you talk about player moving up the lineup, and you're going to see that with Cunning tonight playing with uh, Johansson and Tomasino. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Brett, what do you like here tonight? Nashville, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado is going to put up quite a few again tonight, but I think Nashville is going to be a little bit more competitive. So I see the over hitting in this game for sure. Um, going to the prop bets on players, Nathan McKinnon over 1.5 points is plus 140. I like that. I think if they put up you know, five or six goals, he's going to have a very good shot at two points. Um, I do think Nashville is going to put up some goals tonight. I like Ryan Johansson at uh, over over half a point at plus 110. So I think plus money on him. He's the guy that has to get moving for them if they're going to have any chance to make the game competitive. So I like both of those bets at plus money. Um, you know, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of goals tonight. So um, I think I'll stick with those for now. One assist for Johansson in game one, but no shots on goal. You know, so you would think, or do you like those prop situations, Brett, where it's not so much, I want to bet the prop, the player that had the big game, the previous game. Maybe you don't look at the, that much, uh, so much as a, to the player, maybe that struggled the last game, but you know, he's a quality player and you know, he's got to elevate his game and his performance in a spot like this. It's kind of like, that's where you're going with Johansson is. And that's something maybe you look for with the player props, not so much the guy that had the big game, the previous game, the guy that maybe underachieved and needs to step up the next game. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think you obviously guys ride streaks in the NHL. So you're looking at a few guys that have had big games and, and, wanting to ride them but then there's also guys that maybe didn't play well but you know over the history of their career have been point producers and um he's a guy that he had a better he had a bounce back year this year and um at times in his career he's been able to light it up so if i can see him at plus money in a big game that his team needs to win he's a guy that i'm i'm willing to put it on because like i said if he doesn't perform tonight odds are they get pumped again and, and we're looking at pretty close to winding down the series already. So I expect a, a, a bounce back from him and a very good chance that he's going to put some points up. All right. Yeah, excellent stuff. All right. We go to the final game now of this uh, Thursday night NHL card, Western Conference first round game two, Dallas Stars versus Calgary Flames. Calgary minus 240 home favorites, five and a half the total in this game. 
Uh, we asked our guest Danny Ehrman yesterday, you know, did this game put you to sleep? He actually admitted, yeah, for five, ten minutes I did fall asleep watching this game, uh, game one the other. How about you, Brett? Were you uh, starting to catch some flies during this game at any point? Yeah, it was tough to to grind out <laughs> the third period on this one. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of games like that in the playoffs too. As many games we see that are exciting, there is games that, that play like this and um, you know, I think this is how Dallas wants to play. So unfortunately this might be what a lot of this series looks like. Um, at least I think that, you know, I think tonight's going to be another pretty sleepy, quiet game. Um, you know, I personally like the under in this one, even though it's, it's only five and a half. I, I don't see us hitting that number. Uh, Daryl Sutter's pretty, pretty content with just winning. However that happens. And if that's one, nothing again tonight, I don't think he's going to be too upset with it. Calgary's got a solid team unbelievable goalie so um uh, i could see us settling into another really quiet sleepy game tonight i actually spring and i gotta say way. i figured you must have loved sutter's quote after the uh, after the game when i i could just picture you loving the well coach uh, what did you think about matthew kachuk being involved in a fight there do you mind that oh yeah it's the playoffs uh it's playoff hockey yeah. i'd rather him do it than not. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he said, said I'd rather... i would rather him do that yeah of course but sutter sutter loves that shit he always has he wants his teams to engage physically you know, it's always been that way uh, for 30 years. I remember watching in an eight-year-old, you know, with my dad, we would end up watching. I was like 93, Chicago and Toronto in the playoffs, or 94 it was. He was coaching the Blackhawks, Daryl Sutter. You know, that's how long he, I've, you know, I've seen him coaching. How old is he, guys? Hockey League. Well, he's in his late 60s now, uh, Daryl. I'm pretty sure, right, that's around the age he is. So he's been around. He's one of those old school coaches. There's not many left. You know, but he's one of them, you know, where it's an era where defense and tight checking and winning a game two to one was perfectly okay. I, I heard know, a story and, today about uh, Sutter where apparently they had a, a news camera and the team videographer and interview people go to, go to his ranch uh, in Alberta. Yeah. And they were, they were going to do a piece on him, a nice story on him and stuff. And apparently it was just very awkward. Like he was given like one word answers, wasn't very comfortable on camera. And I guess the team wasn't just getting what they wanted out of it. So the second they took the lights off and the cameras off and all the microphones away, he says, well, now that that's over, come on in for a drink. I'll show you my place. And they had a, apparently they had a great time. Like yeah. apparently he turned into a whole new person once the camera was off. So from what I've heard, like he's actually that's a, like a character guy. Or, perso or persona, a persona that he puts on a, a little bit, not fully, but a little bit. There's he also just might be shyer than we think, or might not like the media, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, he keeps it very straight, cut and dried. Like there's no bullshitting. I just, you know, this is the way it is. And he comes right out there and says it, you know, the way he thinks, you know, and if you don't like it, tough shit, you know, that, that, that's Daryl Sutter's way of going about it with the press conference. Like the best line that's still to this day, uh, what did you say to your team after the game? It was a bad game for the Kings. It was during their cup run. Daryl, what, after a game like that, what do you say to your team? Flight at 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a flight at 11. Just beautiful. Just a, a great response. But uh, yeah, that's Daryl Sutter. I like your under, uh, Brett. You mentioned it, uh, that you like the under in this game. Um, when you look at it, Dallas doesn't want to open things up, you know, because they're just not one of those teams that's going to win a lot of 5-4 games. And Calgary, Daryl Sutter has already said on record, he's okay with a one nothing 2-1 win in the playoffs. He's perfectly okay with that. So I want no part of an over uh, in this game. Uh, I like, you know what I like? I like Calgary, correct score, first period. Calgary one nothing at plus 375. I think that's good. That's the way it was in game one. Uh, I could see that tonight where they get that first goal, and then they, again, look maybe defense first, especially at playoff time. That's what Sutter wants them to do. 
So that Calgary one nothing lead after the first period, plus 375, is something I've put a couple of bucks on. And as far as the side and the total goes tonight, I like Calgary in regulation. Uh, I do like them in regulation here, like the other night, uh, which you can get at minus 140, minus 145. But I also like a sprinkle on the draw for a smaller bet. And you can get that at uh, plus 325. But in some spots, if you shop around, you can get up to plus 365 uh, with the draw uh, in this game. And my basically my strategy is if Calgary wins in regulation, I'm going to be profitable in this game. If the game goes to overtime or a shootout, regardless of who wins, or not a shootout, just overtime, um, I'll be profitable. Because plus 365 will end up being more of a profit for me to wipe out the Calgary bet. So that's the way I'm going about it. Calgary in regulation for a bigger bet, a little smaller bet on the draw, plus 365. And if one of those hits, it's profit for me. The only thing that would get me in this game is Dallas winning in regulation. And I just don't see that happening. I don't. So that's the way I'm approaching it. It's an interesting approach. It's a unique approach. But I think it's a sound one, uh, a logical one. So Calgary in regulation for a little bit big, bigger bet, minus 140, and then that draw at plus 365. If I win one of those, one of those comes through for me, it'll be profit. Uh, so that's the way I'm going about it here with Stars and Flames. I thought the Stars didn't do that bad last night, or game one defensively. They just didn't generate much. 16 shots, you know, in three periods. It's just, you know, not going to cut it. And it's going to be tough to uh, put the puck in the net when that's all you're getting in terms of uh, looks and shots at the opposing goal. Uh, so, Brett, just wrap up what you liked on uh, this game, Dallas-Calgary. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to stick with the low-scoring game. Um, you know, I for both teams to score two or more, uh, it's plus 105 for a no. I, I don't think both are going to score more than two or two. I don't think both teams are going to score two. Um, then I like time of first score. No score before 9.30 of the first period is uh, plus 110. I think it's going to start pretty quiet again. Um, I like your exact score of Calgary one nothing in the first, but I, I think it's going to be later in the period. Um, I think it's the, – the the trend has been set that this is going to be a patient, low-scoring series, and, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we're going to see that continue. I think both teams are comfortable with that. So um, kind of be sticking with the – very low scoring game and some props that are, that are going that way. And, uh, you know, maybe if there is a goal early, that might bump the total up for the over and then a live game, uh, the under on that. So. All right. Great stuff. That's a great approach. I think with the first 10 minutes, no goal uh, and both teams not to score two goals or more uh, in this game. That's at a, at a plus price. That's not a bad way to go about it. You know, I wanted to consider as well, a scoreless first period for that first period, correct score. But that's only plus 180, believe it or not. 0-0 zero, zero is only plus 180 uh, for first period correct score. So I've, that's why I like the Calgary one nothing because I think that's got as good of a chance, and it's a much better price, plus 375. So that's why I ended up going uh, in that direction. By the way, someone in the chat earlier said, thanks, Brett, for the uh, Stamkos call last week on the show with Tampa. Remember, he was trying to get 40 goals, right? Uh, and he ended at the milestone. You were all over those milestones. Those bunch of these players needed a yeah. big milestone number. Uh, made up for my week. made up for my Bruins pick. Yeah, yeah, I, I had show. that too, brother. It's it's tough when the information comes out late, though. Yeah, 
<laughs> and of course, the critics come out and complain. Uh, what what were you guys doing picking the Bruins? And you've not realized that at the time, yeah, that everybody was going to play in yeah. that game that night. And then we find out the rug gets pulled out from under us two hours later that they were sitting everybody. It is what it is. Welcome to betting final day of the regular season. It happens. Uh, Andrew, what do you like here? Dallas, Calgary. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I hate being the contrarian. I'm not someone that loves to be the contrarian opinion, but uh, I think there were like 30 penalty minutes each or 30 to 20 or something insane. And yet these teams still didn't have that high of shot counts, which is quite ridiculous. There's a couple series where I've said this, and St. Louis and Minnesota yesterday was one of the ones I said it with. Obviously, there's going to be more scoring in that series, but when you see a lot of penalties in one in one game, what is what is there for us to think that it might not happen again? Uh, you know, like what what really between one game to the next, unless coaches are saying you know a million things in the locker room, what's going to happen from one game to the next where it's not going to be that same level of physicality, chippiness, dirtiness? You said it yourself, Ian. Sutter likes his players to play that way. And when you do, you hit late. You know, you you get into scuffles after the whistle, all that stuff. And I think that that was Dallas's game to win. Like you guys both said it, a one nothing game was their game to win. I think that I think Calgary scores three or four tonight. Uh, and, and if they do, I'm relying on Dallas to get me one or two uh, for me to get over five and a half. So a little bit of a Korean opinion, but I think that uh, – that was the game for Dallas to win a one nothing game. And with all the talent that Calgary has, I mean, you know, I guess I could easily take the puck line just so I'm not going against you guys and just hope that Calgary wins without going over. Five go against half, us. But... It's great. This is the no, playoffs. Of course. Of course. That's how, that's how, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all don't plan our picks out and tell each no, other before the show not. starts, which makes it fun. Uh, the funny thing is I was on a show earlier today and I was the third person to talk. And so it was the exact same thing. And, uh, but yeah, I think, I just think hey, we're going to see. I'm trying to vary it up. You and then Brett, Brett, and then you. I'm oh, for sure. For sure. Point. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, but yeah, I expect some goals, but to Brett's point, I, I think we could see a low scoring start. Um, but what, what, what a, what a job from Dallas to contain the offensive firepower of the flames, yeah. you know? And yep. But again, you guys saw those shot counts. Are we going to see the shot counts we saw in game one and game two? Are we going to see the, the you know, P power play uh, conversion rates that we saw in game one move into game two and be the exact same? I think it was 0 for 5 and 1 for 5 or something of that nature. So I, I'm expecting something a little bit different. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting. By the way, the expected goals in game one, Really remarkable. I mean, 0.87 to 0.77. That's yeah, it. yeah. It's like they didn't even play a hockey game. I mean, <laughs> barely anything that was expected. Nothing was really expected to go in the net uh, in that game based on that. It's an incredibly low number for a for a 60-minute game. 0.87 to 0.77 expected goals margin in that game in favor of Calgary. And just barely in favor of Calgary. So Dallas didn't play that poorly uh, in that game. But obviously no offense to be had. So... Uh, going a little bit off the, uh, a little bit different, over five and a half here, Dallas and the Calgary. We'll see how it plays out. For props, by the way, I'd, for Calgary, I'm sticking to Lindholm. This guy is just producing right now. He gets the power play goal uh, in game one. He had two shots on goal. He's got goals in four of the last five games. He's got two, three, four, five points in the last five games as well for the uh, Flames. I think Lindholm's a good prop. And if you're going to go for value, Dylan Dubé, because he, he produced down the stretch. He's 
produced in the playoffs before the last couple of years, Dylan Dubé and Blake Coleman as well. Even though he was quiet in game one, this is a guy that elevates his game at playoff time. Blake Coleman's a good value-laden bargain bin prop player for the Calgary Flames, uh, in my opinion, because we know he can really step up at playoff time. All right, great show and great stuff with both uh, Andrew McGinnis and our guest, uh, Brett McLean. We will wrap it up in a few minutes with best bets. Hit the like button uh, on if you haven't done so already. Uh, and a reminder about DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner, the NHL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. It is that time. Best bets. Uh, we got a big encore to try to follow because we collectively as a group on this show, including our guest, Danny Ehrman, we absolutely killed it yesterday. It's a phenomenal betting day. Uh, big profits all around. We'll see if we can deliver it again tonight. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. What do you like for a uh, best bet? Give me the over. Uh, when we see the Florida Panthers and Washington Capitals go head to head, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Washington scored four in the first one, and uh, the total did not go uh, over, which was shocking to me. But I feel like we'll get a better effort out of Florida tonight. Playoffs are started. They got to wake up. Game one is over with. They'll learn from it. A little wake-up call, a little reality check. Uh, I think over six and a half to play here, Florida and Washington. All right, there it is. Washington, Florida, over six and a half. Best bet uh, for Thursday for Andrew McGinnis. And Brett, great to have you back again, as always, on the show. Uh, what do you like, Brett, tonight for best bet? I'm going to stick to the same game. I like uh, both teams to score at least one goal in the first period, plus 120. Um, I think Florida and Washington are going to come out buzzing. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of goals early. Um, so I really like this bet. And I cashed with that same bet, Brett, in game one with the uh, Capitals uh, and the uh, Panthers. The only concern is Florida's just so f on their game early that they shut out Washington maybe in the first period. But even then, Washington, Florida's been known to give up a lot of goals in the first period. So I still think it's worth a look. Well, Washington, Florida, both teams to score, plus 125. Uh, MGM usually has that first period, both teams to score at a higher and even better price. So uh, make sure you shop around. There's a lot of books that uh, uh, have that uh, and make sure you see if you can get the bet price, best price, but at a plus price first period, both teams to score for Brett McLean with his best bet, Washington and Florida. Uh, my best bet here for this uh, card tonight, uh, I'm going to go with the, um, I'm going to go with the um, uh, Nashville, Colorado over one more time uh, at six and a half. Uh, I like it. I think it's a situation where, again, I'm, I'm going to dare Nashville to be better defensively and in goal. I'm not necessarily sure that's something that they're capable of doing. Uh, and I think Nashville, though, with the one nothing deficit, you'll see them offensively chip in. They they can score. That's not a problem. It's been keeping the puck out of their own net. So we'll go right back. It was a best bet winner for me on Tuesday night, and hopefully it is once again tonight. Nashville, Colorado, over 6.5 in Game 2. Uh, that'll be my best bet for this Thursday 
uh, NHL card. All right, that's a wrap for this Thursday edition. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Uh, and a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. Stephen Fournier, our guest tomorrow uh, on the Friday edition of the Ice Guys, so uh, make sure you join us for that. Uh, for Andrew McGinnis and Brett McLean, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Friday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.